0: Precious word. That's what I'd like to do first. Um, can you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew? Matthew chapter 28. I've been recently enjoying reading through the Gospel of Matthew and just seeing the King in his kingdom, in his power, his authority. And so it's quite timely um, for myself in my personal study to come to chapter. 28 this morning and I trust as we hear together we will rejoice in the incredible fact we have a living savior. He is Lord of all. And um, let's read firstly uh, the first eight verses and then we'll jump down to verse 16. Matthew chapter 28 verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, that's full of meaning as the first day of the week began to dawn, isn't it beautiful to have a new beginning and I trust we have that today Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb but as we'll find out, they didn't just see the tomb they saw the Saviour verse 2 behold there was a great earthquake and our world needs a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat upon it his countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow and the guards shook for fear of them and they became like dead men. What a contrast. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. As he said... Come, see the place where the Lord lay. What pathos there. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Isn't it great to be told the truth? So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word for sake of time verse 16 then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them when they saw him isn't that the ultimate reality when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, And lo, I am with you
1: always,
0: to the end of the age. Amen. Trust the Lord will just uplift our hearts this morning as we focus upon this beautiful final chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Now when you see the title here before you, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, I have no idea what is in your mind because some just pass by as totally worthless and pointless, this fundamental reality of Christianity. And I trust this morning that every one of us will be brought face to face with this ultimate fact, we have a living Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. Praise God. Why? Because they saw him. And I trust we've seen him already this morning in our gathering. So for me the first thing is, he is alive. Now dear friend, if you've ever faced death in the face and gone through the hardship, the holiness, the separation, the loss, and you serve and come to know a living Savior, that will transform your life. Because not only is the cross empty, but the tomb is empty. And the words that he said, I am, the resurrection and the life, he has proved in his own life. The evidence is there. Praise God for that. Can I just give you a very quick background? Because chapter 28 obviously is preceded by chapter 27. And what are the main parts of chapter 27? You see, firstly we have this incredible reality of the death of the Son of God, the miraculous events of the cross. You imagine being there. Suddenly the whole of the world is clothed in darkness for three hours. The cries of Christ in triumph at the cross and victory. This is not a defeated criminal. This is a triumphant saviour. And then to the shock of the Jewish nation, their whole temple system is torn apart as the curtain is torn asunder from the top to the bottom. Suddenly the earth cries out. The rocks split apart. The graves are opened. And this godless man who's standing looking after the whole of the events, A Roman soldier says, truly, this was the Son of God. That is miraculous. You see, men treated him as a criminal. Mm. And they wanted to throw his body into a common grave. Just what was fitting for a criminal. But Isaiah steps in and says, no, no, no. Men may purpose that. But God has already purposed. He will be with the rich in his death. Just as he came in through a virgin womb, he will leave through a virgin tomb. He will be totally separate from sinners in every way. And God has his man at the right time, in the right place. Are you willing to be that person today? and Joseph steps forward I can't go into that there's a Joseph at the start of the gospel there's a Joseph at the end of the gospel God always has his people in the right place now listen to this one here is Pilate the Roman governor who for the first time in his pride recognizes things are outside of his control he thought he had power to crucify and power to release he had no power he tried to wash his hands of the events. And now the Jewish leaders say, Pilate, give us a guide. There's going to be a greater error. The disciples will come and steal his body. Pilate says, mm, it's out of my hands. You make that place as sure as you know hell. But it's almost as if he knows you can't stop the unstoppable. You see, in the Gospel of Matthew, we're not looking at human power and ability. We're looking at divine power, Emmanuel, God with us. And this is what shines through as we step into chapter 28. You see, the setting for the resurrection, I'm not going through that if we had children. We'd look at that. Rome does its best to guard, to seal the tomb. But let's look at the spiritual background here. What have we read? You see, the Sabbath had passed. And a new day was dawning. For so long the nation of Israel has been bound in the slavery of the law and its system and its ceremonies and its Redeemer, Messiah, has come to set them free, but they didn't even see Him, to recognize Him, to receive Him. But that never stops the program of God. Mm. And even though that system was passing away, here is Christ. You see, dear child of God, I don't know where you're at. But this precious book is full of divine truth. that is progressive, yes, but it's ultimately the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you don't see Christ in the Old Testament order and sacrifices and ceremonies, you see nothing. Because He is the written Word of God and the living Word. And Colossians tells us so definitively in chapter 2, 16 and 17, all of these things were just pictures. But Christ is the reality. And now reality has come. Can I just stop and ask you in your life and mind, are we chasing pictures? Or have we found the reality? He is everything You cannot add to Christ. You cannot take away from Christ. If you have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you lack for nothing. You have everything. He is complete and total. I could spend a long time here just briefly. The Sabbath offered a physical day of rest for 24 hours and it passed. Christ has brought us an eternal spiritual rest. He says, come to me. You just come. I will give you rest. How would you ever go back to the Old Testament ceremony and order? You see, dear child of God, Christ has brought a new order. Everything in him is new. We have a new birth. We have a new song. It's a new creation. And so in that background, he chooses to rise again. We read this morning, he had power to lay down his life. He had power to take it again. And he chooses the first day of the week. This is a new start. This is a new beginning. And I just lay out quickly for you that some of the first days of the week in Scripture, Pentecost, the beginning of the church, was the first day of the week. The disciples remembered him on the first day of the week. You see, isn't it lovely and special to give Christ the first place at the first opportunity in a new week. And I trust we've met to remember him in that way this morning. But we're presented with the two Marys isn't it beautiful just to look at these two ladies and I cannot dwell there but what commitment what is the first thing that's on their mind as they step into a new week it's their Saviour, their Lord and there they are devoted, committed to him at the tomb wanting searching, looking that if you truly look for Christ, you will find him. That's just no doubt whatsoever. God said in the Old Testament, you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. That's not my message this morning, but they went looking for the tomb, but they actually found the Saviour. And if you're still searching in your life, whatever it may be, my prayer is, you will find the Saviour. Because once you find him, that's Everything. The battle's over. You're set free. You're fully satisfied and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Search for him with all your heart. He will reward you. And he will give you the best. Devotion is always rewarded in the word of God. Can I just stop for a moment and encourage our sisters? You are special. And you are needed. And you're prominent in the word of God. God thinks the best. Of you. He sees that commitment, he sees that devotion, and I don't need to remind you, I trust, just the rich blessing that you bring to the company of the people of God. God is special. Sorry, sisters are special in the local assembly. But can I just ask the question today? Sometimes, men, where are we? (laughs) Where were the men? Where were the disciples? It was the ladies that went to the tomb. Praise God for sisters we can look up to as examples in Christian life. Now heaven came to confirm this incredible fact. It's time for the angelic intervention. God did not use anyone else. He chose an angel. And here we have it. He descends from heaven. What a glorious truth to proclaim. He causes this great earthquake. And how much our nation in this whole world today needs an earthquake from heaven to awaken. There's the earthquakes. I don't need to go down there in Syria and Turkey. May they have a great awakening spiritually for who God really is. You see, we need an earthquake in our lives at times. Because we are so hard-hearted, we are so blind, we are so deaf, and God brings this earthquake through the angel. You say that's a study in itself, the angels in the life of Christ, but they're silent in chapter 27. There's nothing they can do. They are powerless. As the Son of God on his own must go through the hours of darkness, the rejection, the abandonment, the sacrifice, the finished work. But on the first day of the week, an angel comes to proclaim this majestic truth that Christ has triumphed. He is Lord of all. First of all, the message is from heaven. He simply rolls the stone away and sits in power and triumph upon it. Oh dear child of God, when God works in your life, stop and listen. It's a voice that has to be heard. He is powerful, he is triumphant. You see, whatever we may think today, can I encourage you? It's not the United Nations, it's not the White House that makes the decisions that's in control it's the most high who rules in the kingdoms of men and he is in ultimate control and authority every ruler in this world apologies is just a puppet on the stage a pawn on the chessboard. But we have a God who rules in the kingdoms of men Daniel 9 and can I just mention this because often in Zambia people got confused on this the stone was rolled away for one purpose Not to allow Christ to rise again. No, 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 no. The stone was rolled away to prove he had already risen. That the tomb was empty. The Saviour was gone. He is alive. What happened to the soldiers? Total fear shook their body. And they became like Dead man, I'm not going down there. That's a message in itself. Because one day you will stand before God. How awful not to know Him, And to meet him in fear. But praise God. Angels are still used today. There's a whole spiritual battle going in our world. And perhaps we little understand. This verse in Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around, builds a hedge of protection around those who fear him. Dear child of God, you are untouchable by the enemy. And as God allows it, I'd love to take you to Elisha. You remember that time when Gehazi says, what are we going to do? We're surrounded by the armies of the Assyrians. God says, just open his eyes. And suddenly... All the surrounding hills are filled with a heavenly host to protect the man of God. We're on the Lord's side. Praise God for that. But the angel had words. And these are beautiful. He speaks to these women. Isn't it great to have communication from heaven? You see, we're not following cunningly devised fables or imaginations. We're following heavenly revelation. It's the word of the living God to you and to me and total opposite. The soldiers are like dead men and the first words the angel speaks do not be afraid. Perfect love has cast out all fear. We have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ you do not be afraid. Death has died. Christ is torn its bars away. Do not be afraid. He is not here. What a glorious truth.
1: The Saviour is alive.
0: He has risen just as he said. Go through the Gospels. Don't let me be your witness. The word of God is there. At least three times in Matthew he tells why he's going to Jerusalem, how he's going to be treated. Put to death, but the third day he will rise again just as he said I have power to lay down my life Mm -hmm. I have power to lay it again he is absolutely reliable but then there's the invitation and the angel says you come and see don't just listen you come and see for yourself you be a witness to this event I trust we're true witnesses for Christ We're not just on a rocky, sorry, on a shaky foundation. We're standing on the solid rock. We have seen and we know who He is and the reality of the empty to come and see the place. Just spend time in your own meditating upon that where the Lord's body lay. This is the Creator of the universe. This is the upholder of all things who willingly stepped into time and he tasted death for everyone. He knows what death is. He passed through that experience. But it's the past tense where his body lay. It's not there any longer. We serve a living saviour. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting? I won't go down there. In John's account, there's the napkin that was folded and laid neatly by itself you see his body wasn't stolen no thief would take time to do things like that they would just run away with the body and it would be gone but there's the evidence you see our God is a God of detail and he's a God of order perhaps he's stepping into your life with his details, with his order what a beautiful foundation to place and rest your life upon but here, I'm just stopping for a moment to pull out an important lesson the soldiers, what have they been doing? they were guiding an empty tomb and it's almost as if heaven has a humour And here these soldiers, if you had met with them. What are you doing here? Oh, we've been sent by the high priests, the leaders. We have this important job regarding the body of Jesus of Nazareth. But the tomb was empty. So what can I learn from this? Dear child of God, there are so many things in this world and in this life. From your perspective and mine, they look so, so important. But from God's? and worthless they're passing and so often we spend our time and our energies that heaven says one day at the great sorry at the judgment seat of Christ sadly will just be burnt out like wood hay and straw he wants to find gold in our lives precious stones and silver what are we really spending our time doing before the Lord but then lastly there's the instruction isn't there you've seen now because you've seen you go and tell his disciples that he is risen there's a whole message there isn't there you see when we've seen we're the people to tell but you need to have a testimony to tell you need to be an eyewitness of His majesty, His saving power, His transforming salvation in your life, and then you have something to go and tell. May the Lord use us in this coming week in His world, because we have an amazing message to share. There's a dying world out there that's helpless and hopeless, And perhaps God may bring someone into your life this week just to hear, just to listen about this amazing fact that our Lord Jesus is alive. Praise God, that's a transforming truth. Now can I just, I wouldn't normally do this, but this is on my heart this morning. I just quickly give some summary of evidence here because we are standing on a firm foundation the resurrection of Jesus Christ it's one of the transforming moments in the whole history of mankind you start out in Genesis and you come to chapter 5 and it's he died and he died and he died the desperation the depression the helplessness But we stand on a firm foundation that when you come to the genealogy of Jesus Christ in the first chapter of the New Testament, death isn't even mentioned. Because this is Emmanuel. He is God with us. You see, the empty tomb, number one, what are you going to do with the empty tomb? This took place right in the very city where our Lord was crucified. And the disciples witnessed and preached about the empty tomb surely it would have been simple how many refuted it? it was taken as total fact no one even denied the tomb was empty think of the religious leaders here they are they had set up this guide to guide the tomb so it wouldn't be stolen but they accepted the tomb was empty now when your enemies who are refuting what you teach agree with what you're saying you know you're on solid truth And they accepted that the tomb was empty and tried to make up this fabrication. His body was stolen. Mm -hmm. Well, surely if the body was stolen, why didn't they find it? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that have solved everything? Just find the body. Mm -hmm. But we know the body was never found. He's alive. Mm -hmm. Quickly number two spend time in his personal appearance. It's documented in scripture. It's mentioned in other historic accounts as well. Not only individually to different disciples at different times, to the disciples together in the upper room on two different occasions, to the disciples on the shore when they were fishing. Time and again, 500 people at once. We're not just talking about some dream here. Or some supposed vision. These are people who saw and know and give (coughs) eyewitness accounts. Here's one of the things that I think is really clear evidence. How do you explain the transformation of these disciples? Just a few days earlier at the cross. They run away from him, forsake him. They're afraid in the upper room. The doors are closed. And suddenly these same fearful men become transformed into witnesses of the reality of the resurrection. Was that fake? Was that just putting on a face? Well, I'd like to share with you Acts chapter 5 there's one account of that. These were people who were harshly beaten for presenting the fact that Jesus Christ was alive. Now you may tell a lie in class but you won't give your life for it. But these people were willing to do that. They stood on this certain truth that he is alive. And that is my next point. Ten of the disciples, as far as we are aware, willingly laid down their lives for this fact that Jesus Christ not only died, but he rose again. Mm-hmm. And I'd ask you to present any person who's willing to die for a lie. Mm-hmm. The truth soon comes out but they willingly lay down their lives for that. I could go on, how about Saul in the book of Acts? He's the main persecutor of the church. He's trying to rid the world of Christianity and the message of Jesus. He harshly persecutes, imprisons, and suddenly this main opponent becomes a main preacher, and supporter, and teacher that Christ is alive. Oh, the grace of God perhaps you may be meeting with us today in disbelief as we all were once but we have a God not only of absolute power but incredible grace who will open your eyes and once you've seen him for who he is there's never a doubt anymore and he writes a whole thesis in 1 Corinthians 15 on the fact that Christ is living and he was a witness to that fact by the way he was also martyred for that reality and you can go on you see so many religions in our world have started and they then decide on their basis of belief what are they going to follow what are they going to teach but in Christianity it's the opposite Christianity began from the fact of the resurrection it didn't begin and then say wow we'll make the resurrection one of our fundamental truths No, it was the resurrection that formed the Christian faith and transform the whole of the then known Roman world. Let me come to some implications, because there are crucial consequences of the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact and the evidence is clear, but can I present to you number one, the fact that he rose again, just as he said he would, authenticates, that's a big word, clearly confirms the The truth of his deity nobody else has ever made such a claim sadly false prophets have tried to deceive remember a story in South Africa where he paid big bucks to be put in this coffin along with a respirator to keep him alive and claimed he came back to life dear friend this is no gimmick this is reality he had power to lay down his life and he had power take it again and I would conclude simply from that, that everything he said is totally true, he speaks with authority he speaks with absolute certainty, because he is the word of the living God, Matthew says he is Emmanuel, God with us, can I suggest to you, we should not doubt his statements the resurrection is proof of that fact, and who else could say I am the way. The truth. The life. We're not trying to criticize other ideas, but let's bring them out against this one who is Emmanuel, God with us, who lays down his life, and <coughs> takes it again, supported by evidence. We know he is true. And that's not just a fact that's mental. That's a fact that becomes heart reality. When you open your heart, to Jesus Christ he will transform your life now one of the beautiful things is this we're in a hopeless dying broken world without hell but the resurrection of Jesus Christ now has not only destroyed death completely it's brought to us this incredible gift of salvation and eternal life he has abolished death to Timothy 1 and he's brought life and immortality delight light through the gospel. We're briefly in the gospel of John today. Go through the verses. Shall have everlasting life. It's based upon Christ and who he is. The free message of Christianity. It never rests upon me for who I am or what I could do. It rests completely upon Jesus Christ for who he is. And what he has done. Praise God for that. We're looking for the return of that same Saviour. Can I speak to an older friend here today? The Alfred is perishing. We know it's dust. It's going back to dust. But because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And because he rose from the tomb, that is the guarantee that he will take the bodies of our humiliation, Philippians 3.21, and transform them into his the likeness of his own glorious body. The resurrection is real with clear implications. Can I just warn people today? The fact that he rose again means accountability. We have the living proof. What are we going to do with it? One way or the other we will one day stand before the one who will be the judge of the living and the dead. And can I just suggest that this glorious fact of his death and resurrection sets Christianity apart as absolutely unique in terms of all world religions. I'm not here to criticize, to downplay. You go through every world religion. They're following a follower or someone who claimed to be something but is dead and is buried. Praise God for that. Can I come to the meeting at the mountain? Because this is where it all leads to, isn't it? Here's a risen, glorified Savior. He's met with the women of the tomb. But his desire? He wants to meet with his own. And just imagine for the first time they see him upon the cross. They witness the body going into the tomb. And then they're called personally by him to meet with them at the place of his appointment. And it's a mountain. And they see for themselves their victorious and risen Savior and Lord. Can I just stop for a moment? That's a privilege we have, every one of us. To meet with Him. Personally and in private. And then on occasions like this, collectively we surround Him, our risen, glorious Lord, to remember Him. And that's a beautiful privilege and blessing. And one day those symbols will give place to sight. Meeting with the Saviour, that's what He desired. He chose the location. Now Matthew speaks of many mountains. I won't go through that. Study them in your own time. This is the final mountain. And can I just suggest with you, when you meet with Christ, it is a spiritual mountain. You see, in this world, you and I, um, we're passing through a valley experience. And if you haven't found that out yet, you soon will. This is a dark, broken, hurting world. And yet there are times when Christ would withdraw us from that circumstance and take us to the mountain to be alone with him, not only to see him for who he is, but to see everything in its right perspective there were times in my work life in England i travelled through that country and other places and occasionally driving on a long drive back I'd get time just to break for a few minutes and climb up this beautiful hill or mountain and just spend a few moments there it changes your perspective and dear child of God we need that spiritually we need times on the mountain with Jesus Christ, he's always available. Mm. It's just, are we willing to give him an opportunity, an appointment in our busy schedule? <clears throat> but secondly, what's the outcome of meeting with him? You see, when you see him, there's only one ultimate response and result. You see, when they saw him, they worshipped him. and perhaps that's why our lives are lacking in true genuine worship because we're not spending time with him to see him for who he really is can I just stop for a brief moment it's lovely to come and worship together in the assembly that's a beautiful time But the collective worship will only be as good as the individual worship in our own lives in our own homes and I think you get the precursor. If I'm not spending time to worship in private, then worship together as we meet in this way is a little difficult. I won't spend time some doubted. I trust there were no doubters in our midst this morning. We have arisen, glorified Savior. You see, the automatic encounter. Let me just take you very quickly to the man who was born blind. He not only received his physical sight, he got his spiritual sight. Because at the end of that chapter, the Lord Jesus came to him and said, Do you know who the Son of God is? No, I don't, Lord. He's the very one who's standing before you. What was the first thing that blind man did? Lord, I want to serve you, to follow you wherever you go. No, that's important. The first thing he worshipped. You see, that's what Christ is really after in your heart and in mine. It's not what I can do for him, so-called, what I can give him. What the Father is looking for now is those who are true worshippers, to worship him in spirit and in truth. And that is our eternal joy, because one day in heaven, Revelation 22, 3 and 4, his servants shall worshipfully serve him, and they shall see his face what an eternal occupation we have before us. But not only do they meet with Him and see Him, they receive the commission from Him. He says, based upon this reality of the resurrection, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Who could dispute that? He has destroyed the last enemy, death. He has triumphed. Go, therefore, and make. Disciples of all nations. Our incredible grace, dear child of God, if you meet with Him and you worship Him, perhaps you may be fit to be used by Him to take that message to someone who doesn't know Him. Go and tell. But you see, the battle is won. We have a victorious saviour we're not going out there into the world to win the battle he's basically saying this because I have absolute authority you go out wherever I send you and see my power at work in that place you see, the commission is not the mission in your ability and mine. The commission is his mission to outwork his power and authority in the world. And graciously he says, just come alongside me and let me show you something of my power and ability to transform the world. You see, it doesn't rest upon us for who we are. He says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. He does it all. Ours is to follow just thinking briefly in this context take time to go back to 1st Samuel 17 look at the armies of Israel frozen with fear before the Philistine Goliath powerless to do anything week after week and then suddenly the picture of Christ David in his humility goes down to the brook picks the smooth stones runs to face the giant destroys him and suddenly it's all changed. The armies that were frozen with fear, with the reality of triumph, root out the enemy, chase after them, and overcome them. You see, that's the mission. The battle's already won. We have to do nothing but to go in the victory of the cross and the resurrection. Christ has already triumphed. He has overcome the victory is one. Well. That's the privilege of the Christian mission. Not about you, not about me. It's all about him, for who he really is. But can I just share with someone who may be searching today. Yes, God has something for you to do. And a place for you to be. But don't forget, before there's a mission experience. There must be a mountain experience. If we don't know him alone upon the mountain, we'll never prove his ability in this world, in his power and his authority. And lastly, he says to them, what a beautiful assurance. He says, I am with you always. You see, it's all about him. The authority is his. The power and ability is his. He's the sender. He's the commissioner. And he assures as of his presence wherever we are, right even to the end of the age. Beautiful reminder today, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. He never changes in this mission. He promises to be with us at all time. You see, he commissions in his power and he guarantees his presence. Please never try and go anywhere without him or do something without him. And it'll be just like John 21 all over again. And you'll spend the whole night fishing and you'll come back empty. It has to be of Christ. But when Christ is in it, suddenly they caught. The net was full of 153 fish. Because Christ was at work. Can I finish? Just cling on to some things from this morning and take them into your heart and life, each one of us, as we go into this week. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is one of the living, unique realities of the Christian faith. We have a message that stands apart from anything else this world can ever share. Death has died. Christ is alive forevermore. He has destroyed death. And now life and immortality is available this is an eastern mysticism sorry I shouldn't go down that road this is a living reality eternal life from Jesus Christ is available for all who trust in him as Lord and Saviour listen to his own words as he speaks to John who's an outcast on the Isle of Patmos he says John let me take you out of your situation I am the first I am the last I am the living one. I willingly became dead. But I am alive forevermore and I'm the keyholder of death and the grave. Praise God for him. You see we can say with absolute certainty this morning and I trust you stand with us. O oh, death where is your sting? O oh, grave where is your victory? The biggest problem that faces humanity. We spend billions of dollars trying to consult, trying to stop, trying to heal. The only answer is Christ. No matter how rich or wealthy or famous you are, there's no power in the day of death. But Christ has power. Oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? And those beautiful concluding remarks. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. You say he's not only claimed the victory, he wants to enjoy the victory and impart the victory into your heart and life as well. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. He is alive. He is not here. He is risen. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for this wonderful, momentous, glorious truth. We have a conquering, risen Savior. We know he's in the world today. He lives within my heart. Encourage your people here at Allentown. We're in a tough time and generation. So many people have been blinded by the enemy. Oh Lord, shine your light Perhaps today someone will hear your word and it will penetrate in the power of your spirit to bring you life. This whole western world, we need an earthquake, Lord, to awaken us to our senses, to point us back to you again. We cry for President Biden and his whole government. Have mercy, O Lord. He's just a pawn on the chessboard. He's been deceived. Open his eyes along with so many world rulers. The whole sad state in Russia and Afghanistan, parts of the Middle East, Iran, China, North Korea. Oh Lord, work your work. Christ is risen. He has all authority and all all power. Send out more laborers into your harvest field. We commit our time to you with thanksgiving and with praise for our risen glorious Savior, The Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for your time.